as generations sing of wonders you have done. Your strong and mighty deeds are always near. Oh God, most high, your name will be Welcome to First Baptist Church of Wixom. Thank you for joining us for worship today. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. In-home community groups continue tonight at 6 p.m. If you are not yet connected with the Sunday p.m. community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information. Community groups meet in homes most Sundays at 6 p.m. The new session of the modular Sunday school class began today. In addition to the college career E3, an auditorium class, and the ladies' classes, a seven-week class on deeper discipleship begins this morning. There will be a baby shower at the church for Emily Shung on Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to noon. 
you have any questions, please see Marsha Roach. We encourage everyone to come and to be a blessing to the Shung family as they welcome their new addition. There will be a ladies cookie decorating event on Friday, November 3rd. Cost is $10 per person and you can pay at the event. We want to make sure we have enough supplies, so please sign up in the link today in order to guarantee your spot. Please see Ashley Bovin or Amber Tebow with any questions. Our quarterly member meeting is scheduled for today after the AM worship gathering. We hope you will plan to stay for this encouraging celebration of God's provision. At the conclusion of the quarterly member meeting, there will be a brief meeting in the cafe for anyone interested in participating in the Christmas choir. In just a few minutes, we will be dismissing children four years through the third grade out the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more information about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. And we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning. You heard on the video that the ladies' shower for Emily Shung is November the 4th. It will actually be on November the 11th. And so if you could mark your calendar for that, ladies, let's encourage Emily and Caleb as they look forward to welcoming their little one. That will be on November the 11th. I want to say thank you to Pastor Johnny and all of the volunteers who worked at Fall Fest yesterday. How many came to Fall Fest? You were there? All right. It was quite a party going on in the gymnasium. And thank you for all of you volunteers that not only ran the event but cleaned up afterwards. We greatly appreciate that. I want to remind you this morning that the Operation Christmas Child Shoebox Collection continues for a couple more weeks. You've seen as you've entered in the link that there are all kinds of resources for you, most notably some free boxes for you to take home and fill up, and then a spot where you can also drop off leftovers. Some people will fill up their boxes and then have a few items left over, not sure what to do with them. You can hold on to them for next year if you want, or the easy thing to do is to bring them in, drop them in the big box and then let our team put together additional packages. Uh, Please do that. This morning I sent out an email to the church family uh, with a link to a website. Uh, We're calling it a churchware website. The idea is to promote FBC Wixom and to give uh, you some resources to share the gospel. You've probably seen the pastoral staff wearing vests or jackets that say First Baptist Church of Wixom. You've probably seen some deacons and other church leaders wearing the same thing. And we want to make those available for the church family. Um, and so this, this website, we don't profit from it. Um, we don't establish the pricing or anything like that. We just send, our team sends to them some uh, designs for the wear that we would like to make available. And then you can purchase through them. So if you have a challenge with quality or sizing or anything they they can help you that store can help you if something's not available you get on there and you really wanted something that's not available 
um, check back. They do kind of go, the manufacturer kind of goes through uh, cycles where things are available and not available. So check back in a week or so and chances are it will be available. And so we hope this is a blessing to you. What we really hope um, is that you'll be able to use this for conversations. Like, for instance, um, just yesterday I went on and ordered a shirt for Mari and I that says follow, has an arrow across the front. This, of course, matches uh, the bracelet that I talked about a little bit ago for our new series of messages coming up in 2024. Actually, that series of messages begins on December the 17th, and we're going to do a chronological study of the life and ministry of Jesus that our team is really looking forward to preaching. I hope that you're looking forward to hearing. Um, But that shirt is meant just to get people to ask the question, what is follow, (laughs) and give you an opportunity to invite them to church. It doesn't have any other information on there. Just follow, and hopefully opens up a conversation for you. There are several options like that that we think will be helpful. The storage of the items in the church garage uh, begins in earnest today. We mentioned last week, if you're able to help store some lawn equipment or some furniture or some miscellaneous things, we could use your help. That begins today. We're trying to get that taken care of by Tuesday of this week. If you did not get a chance to talk to Johnny about your willingness to store something, would you please do that today so that we can set up a time over the next couple of weeks? So glad to have you here this morning. Let's have a word of prayer as we begin our time together. Father, we're grateful for your greatness that our musicians just sang about and reminded us of. Lord, you are so great and so good and so loving. And today as we think on and meditate on the truth of your sovereignty, would you help us as individuals to get out of the way? Lord, even already this morning, no doubt we've been tempted to let our own thinking get in the way of your worship. You are not only the only one worthy of our worship, Lord, you are supremely worthy that this time together today is appropriate for us to think about our Savior and to lift him up for one another and sing about his greatness. So please help us as we do that. Help us as a church to glorify you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together as we continue to worship through song, singing about our great, amazing God. Oh, great God of highest heaven, occupy my lowly heart. Own it all and reign supreme, conquer every rebel power. Let no vice or sin remain. Soul from the evils that. 
that we have this morning is God is in and over all. It is his creation. Everything belongs to him, and he is great. Amen. We're going to sing a song in just a second called From Everlasting, and it's based off of Psalm 90. And the theme that you'll hear throughout this is the emphasis is that from everlasting to everlasting, beginning to end, big, small, God is in it, and you are God alone. Listen to this first verse and chorus as we sing, and we'll have you join us on the second.
you for that, Dan. I was just reading a commentator this week talking about worship in the church and complaining a little bit that so many songs talk about our commitment to praise Jesus and talk about the need to praise Jesus. And I was thinking, I'm just grateful for our musicians, for Jeremy's leadership to actually praise Jesus, right? To talk about the greatness of our God and to highlight his worthiness, but to also do it, to do praise together. It's a joy to listen to Dan play and to hear you guys quietly singing about how great our God is. Thank you for that music this morning. I invite you to turn to Psalm 147, if you would, please. Psalm 147, we are in a series of messages we've entitled Albums of Worship, really a theology from the Psalms. And we're asking a weekly question, and that is, who is God? What is he like? And then secondly, what should I do in response to his character? Last week, we talked about the fact that God is Savior. And the response to that is this question. Okay, so what has he saved me for? Why am I saved? And the psalm last week reminded us that we're saved for passionate worship. That God desires that his people, in fact, that all creatures of his creation would lift up his son, Jesus Christ, the one whose name is above every name, and that every knee would bow and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. He saved us for worship. What we're doing here this morning should be because we know him as Savior. We worship him. And then secondly, he saved us for rest, trusting in Jesus for life here and for eternal life in the future. Today's message is that our God is sovereign. If you want a definition of sovereign, this would be somebody who's a supreme ruler with limitless power, or we might say it this one, the one who gets to do whatever he wants to. This is what a sovereign does, whatever he wants to. And what I want you to see in this psalm this morning as we read it in a few minutes You don't see the word sovereign or sovereignty, but you definitely see this, that God does whatever he wants to. And this morning we want to worship him for that. We don't have a lot of context in our brain for true sovereignty. All of the people in our um, knowledge, all of those people have checks and balances. Nobody gets to truly do whatever they want to without accountability. Maybe the best illustration for us, which still falls far short, is an apex predator like a lion. In that region where that lion lives and with the other animals around that lion, he pretty much gets to do what? Whatever he wants to. But most of the time we respond to this kind of power with negative feelings, right? That seems kind of scary because a lion who gets to do whatever he wants to may or may not be a good lion. He may not, may or may not be a hungry lion, right? And so we worry a little bit about that much power. We certainly worry about it in context of humanity. No human should be able to do whatever they want to because every human has sin. It's a really interesting thing because God is always perfect and God is always good. And yet he gets to do whatever he wants to. He is sovereign Which brings up an interesting conundrum, because if God does whatever he wants to, what about me? Do I get to do what I want to? Do I have free will? I mentioned to you last week a song that's been on my mind, and it has really been on my mind this week, thinking over this passage, this song that says, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. 
So if he has the power to do whatever he wants to, what about me? We're going to talk about this a little bit more in our conclusion, but can I just tell you that God is sovereign. He is working out his master plan, but he not, is not necessarily sovereign for me unless I make room. I have a decision to make. Lord, I'm going to let you make decisions in my life. I'm not going to try to run things from the back seat like we talked about last week. I'm not going to sit on the back of the motorcycle and lean and try to get the the whole thing to turn. I'm going to just trust you to do whatever you want to. I want you to think about that, if you would, please, as I read Psalm 147, the God who does whatever he wants to. Here it is, verse number one. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. It's a good thing for us to lift up our voice and sing about how great God is. For it's pleasant, praise is comely or fitting. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcasts of Israel. He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. He tells the number of the stars. He calls them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifts up the meek he cast the wicked down to the ground. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God, who covers the heaven with clouds, who prepares rain for the earth, who makes grass to grow upon the mountains. He giveth to the beast his food, and to the young ravens which cry. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion. For he hath strengthened the bars of thy gates. He hath blessed thy children within thee. He maketh peace in thy borders and filleth thee with the finest of the wheat. He sendeth forth his commandment upon earth. His word runneth very swiftly. He giveth snow like wool. He scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. He casteth forth his ice like morsels. Who, shall, who can stand before his cold? He sendeth out his word and melteth them. He causeth his wind to blow and the waters flow. He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation. As for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. Would you pray with me for just a moment as we begin today? Father, we acknowledge as we come into your presence that you are sovereign and you get to do whatever you want to. So we don't fully understand why you would let us come into your presence. Lord, who are we? What is man that you are mindful of us? We're just sinners, Lord, saved by your grace, saved by your love, saved by the sacrifice of your son for which we say thank you this morning. Lord, you our sovereign God, and we acknowledge that there's no way in the next half hour of our lives that we can truly get sovereignty. But today, would you help us to scratch the surface of sovereignty enough that our worship would be more fitting, more comely to you, that our lives would be more pleasing to you, that our character would be more in line with your son Jesus And Lord, if there are any here today who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they would understand what it means to have eternal life. To understand what it means to have a relationship with sovereignty. 
Would you make that clear to us today and glorify your son through us? We pray this in his amazing name. Amen. A couple of things about the sovereign God I want you to see today in Psalm 147. Number one, that he does whatever he wants to with Israel. He's the sovereign God of Israel. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God. It's pleasant and comely. The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. Now, if you're here on Wednesday nights for our adult Bible study, you might remember that Holden has recently mentioned this is one of the psalms and a group of psalms assigned to the ministry of Haggai and Zechariah. It's a reference to God bringing his people back to Jerusalem after exile. He again talks about Israel in verses 12 through 14. Let me read those again. Praise ye the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion, for he hath strengthened the bars of thy gates. He hath blessed thy children within thee. He makes peace in thy borders and filleth thee with the finest of wheat. You might think, well, I've been watching the news and I don't know if this is true. Does God still bless Israel? Could I just tell you briefly, he does whatever he wants to. And he does have incredible plans for his people, Israel, in the future. But I just want you to think about this idea of he does whatever he wants to. So why Abraham? At the time, his name was Abram from a place called Ur in the Chaldees. Why Abram? Because God wanted to, right? Why did he say, I want to give you Canaan? Why Canaan? Because he wanted to. Why then and why there? It's what he wanted. Why rescue them from Egypt and from exile? Because he wants them to. Why why the great plans that he has in the future outlined in Scripture? Because he wants to. So this, just like in the context of our salvation, he saves us because he wants to for his glory. This is not necessarily because of any merit of Israel. It's about him and it's about his glory. And you might say, well, I, I can't see it. Like, are you telling me God's doing whatever he wants to right now? Even when the nations around them hate them, and even when some of their leaders are secular atheists, is God getting his will done? And I would just tell you that, yes, his master plan for Israel is still happening. God always gets done exactly what he wants to. This is, by the way, really interesting if you study end time events and you read through uh, Revelation and you realize, oh, wow, as bleak as things look now, God is getting done exactly what he wants to. He is sovereign. Secondly, he's the sovereign God of healing. In verse number three, it says he heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. He heals whoever he wants to. Who does he want to? According to this verse, it's those that are broken hearted. God definitely has a soft spot for the hurting, the broken. And no doubt the psalmist is thinking about the exiles. And the pain and the suffering that they've experienced while away from their homeland. But this truth has always been true of God. He has always paid attention to those who are broken. Isaiah 66 verse 2 says, To this man will I look, this is God speaking, even to him that is a poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. God says, I pay attention to the person who's broken. 
Just this morning in Sunday school, we were talking about the, the woman who was caught in adultery, who was bought, brought to Jesus. Remember that story? And the, the men cast her down and they say, Jesus, what should we do with her? Our law says she should be stoned. The Roman law says we can't stone her. What do you think? And Jesus says, if you are free from sin, cast the first stone and everybody leaves. And then what does Jesus do? He forgives the broken. He didn't offer forgiveness to the men who came who weren't broken, who had it all figured out, the religious ones. He offered forgiveness to the broken. And this was his whole ministry. I come to seek and to save, not the religious, not the cleaned up. I come to seek and to save the lost. It's not the well who need a physician. It's the sick. And Jesus says, if you're broken, then I am the one you are seeking. I will heal you. So just, just a question this morning. Do you recognize your own brokenness? Do you recognize it? Like, even when you're feeling physically good, when we're feeling physically bad, when we know we've got a problem, we recognize our brokenness, right? Like, my body's broken. And I'm pretty sure my soul is too. Like, something's wrong here. But when we're feeling good, when life is just cruising along, sometimes we don't recognize our own brokenness. Do you realize that you need the intervention of sovereignty in your life. You need the God who does whatever he wants to, to bring healing. Will you make room for him to do that? Thirdly, I want you to see that he's the sovereign God of creation. It says in verse four that he tells, or like a bank teller, he counts the number of the stars. He calls them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Can I just tell you that God creates whatever he wants to and he has full understanding of it? Think about this for just a second. This is sort of, to me, a little bit mind snapping. Like creation from this side makes sense. You got sun, moon, stars. You got plants. You got animals. You got humans, some of those animals live in the water, some of them breathe air. Makes sense, right? But what if you had a completely clean slate? What if you were the creator and you got to do whatever you want to? What would you create? What would I create? I was thinking about that this week. I know this is kind of weird, but like, would you create any creatures that have like multiple heads, like a four-headed creature or flying mammals? That could be dangerous, right? Or purple humans, or flying purple humans. I know it's weird to think about, but if you're the creator, you get to do what? Whatever you want to. What did God want? He wanted sun, moon, and stars, plants, sea creatures, land animals, humans. This is exactly what he wanted. And he has complete understanding of it. This verse tells us he knows how many stars. He knows them by name. His understanding is infinite. He's the sovereign God of creation. But I want you to see that he's also the sovereign God of provision. Verse number six, seven, eight, and nine, as he talks about giving the beast his food and sending the rain, he provides whatever he wants to, to whomever he wants to. Have you ever noticed this about the weather, that most humans complain more about the weather than almost anything else? Maybe it's just Michiganders, but I kind of think it's all humans. Like we complain about the weather. Like when the weather is not perfect, you know, for me, I like 68 degrees, full sun, you know, light breeze. If the weather's not perfect, 
then we tend to complain. Ah, oh, rainy. Ah, oh, too hot. Ah, oh, too cold. Not enough snow. Too much snow. Whatever. We tend to complain. But God wants today just like he's created today. He is sovereign. Have you ever thought about this? This giant weather machine that generates billions of gallons of rain for the earth constantly that is under the control of God? And humans don't tend to think about this unless they're in a drought. And then they say, God, send us the rain. Why is it so dry? Why are our plants dying? We need rain. But God is sovereign of the drought. He's sovereign of the rain. Weather should cause us to, verse number 7, sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. What is it this morning? It's a little chilly. Thank God. What a great day. The air conditioner's on outside, right? What is it today? It's a little rainy. Thank God. The plants need the rain. We need everything washed off just a little bit. Thank God. We should sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. In the next couple of weeks, this is going to be tested, right? Some of you tomorrow or Tuesday are going to be tempted to say, oh, it's too cold. What am I doing living in Michigan? Thank God. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. He makes the grass grow. He feeds the animal kingdom. This is what he wants to do. Number five, he's the sovereign God of mercy. The Lord takes pleasure, verse 11, in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. You see, God delights in whatever he wants to, right? I mean, you ever had an argument with somebody about the merits of something? Like, I'm a pecan pie kind of guy. Maybe you're a pumpkin pie kind of guy. And we get into an argument about which is better. The truth is, I like pecan pie because I want to. You might like pumpkin pie because you want to. That's, what, that's your choice, right? What does God say, I want? What does he delight in? Well, he delights in those that fear him and hope in his mercy. It says here, he's not interested in the strong or the athletic. This does not impress him. It's those that fear him. Commentator John Phillips says it this way. I think this is interesting. He said, the Lord would rather sit down with a small company of his own and listen to a handful of people singing a psalm than assemble with the princes of this world and listen to them boast. The Lord would rather get together with a small group of his people who say, Lord, we fear you, we love you, we, we honor you for who you are, we worship you, we see you in your holiness, and we just want to make your name great. The Lord would rather be with a small group of people doing that. He's not impressed with warriors. He is the warrior. He doesn't need the powerful. He is all powerful. He doesn't need the intelligent. God has all Knowledge. He's most impressed when nobodies worship him, fear him, and hope in his mercy. This is what we're called to do. You don't have to be a somebody. It's okay to be a nobody. But do you fear him and hope in his mercy? This delights him and brings him pleasure. But lastly, I want you to show you that God is the sovereign God of truth. The sovereign God of truth. Verses 15 through 20 talk about truth. I'm just going to show you the words really quickly. Verse number 15, he talks about the power of his commandment and the power of his word. Verse number 18, again, his word. Verse number 19, his word, his statutes, his judgments. Verse number 20, his judgments. He's talking about the power of truth. It does whatever he wants it to. Isaiah 55, verses 9 through 11 is maybe one of the clearest passages 
on this subject. Listen to what God says. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void or empty, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God says, my word always does what I want it to. Always. Back in our Psalm 147, verse number 15 through 17, the psalmist reminds us that it is swift. It's quick. It's powerful. Verse number 18, he melts ice, he says, with his word. He controls weather with his word, just like Jesus did during the storm when he said, peace, be still. And the storm calmed. God controls with his word. He gave it especially to Israel. Verse number 19 and 20. It it tells us that Israel received his word. Jacob received his statutes and judgments. Paul talks about this a little bit in Romans chapter 3. He said, what advantage is it to be a Jew? Is there an advantage to being an Israelite? And he said, yeah, there is an advantage. They got the word of God first. The Israelites got the word of God first, the Old Testament, and then the writers of the New Testament, either Jewish or closely connected with Jewish disciples, they gave us the word of God. The question this morning is this, do you cherish it? If God's word does whatever he wants it to, do you cherish it? Do you cherish the written word? Do you cherish the living word, Jesus? He gives us the truth he wants us to have It is sufficient for all of our life. It is efficient. It's exactly what we need. And it does exactly what the sovereign God wants it to. He is the sovereign God of truth. All right, we went through those things rather, rather quickly. But I want to give you a couple of conclusions to think about this morning as we conclude. A couple of conclusions. And each one of these subjects, we talked about Israel. We talked about God delighting in those that fear him. We've talked about his provision, his creation, his healing, his truth. We've talked about all of these things. And each one of these is probably a full message or series of messages. And you might say, Brad, you just went running from one to the next to the next to the next. I want to give you some miniature applications. Okay, now maybe for you, this is a big one. But across the board, out of all of these things, if God does whatever he wants to, what does he want from me? Like, how do I respond to sovereignty? That's an important question, right? I mean, if he does whatever he wants to, do I even have a responsibility? Or do I just kind of walk out of here and let whatever God wants happen, happen? Is there anything I'm supposed to do? Are there any applications for me? I think there are a few. Let me suggest some, okay? Number one, he wants me to bless Israel. Do you remember the Abrahamic covenant? I will bless those that what? Bless thee. And I will curse those that what? Curse thee. God said to Abraham, there is a blessing for those that bless Israel. Did you know that God still has big plans for Israel? Let me just tell you just really quickly a couple of things. Genesis chapter 17, God promised to Abraham 
that the land would be theirs as an everlasting possession. That means that no matter what kind of fighting is happening today or has happened over the last hundred years, that eventually they will have the land as an everlasting possession. In Zechariah chapter 12, it talks about an incredible future for Israel, that God will work an amazing thing, that he will destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem and will pour upon the house of David his grace. It's an amazing promise in Zechariah chapter 12. But Romans chapter 11 is maybe the most important where it says this, that all Israel will be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. What is Paul saying in Romans chapter 11? He says the answer for Israel is Jesus. By the way, that's the answer for everyone, right? You guys missed it. That's the answer for everyone, right? The answer is Jesus. You guys have been watching the news too much. You get nervous when people start talking about the Middle East. Can I just tell you, we're talking about truth. Okay, the answer for everyone, every human, is Jesus. It's the answer for you, it's the answer for me, it's the answer for Jews, it's the answer for Palestinians, it's the answer for Arabs, it's the answer for Asians, it's the answer for Europeans, it's the answer for Africans, for South Americans. The answer for everyone is Jesus. God is doing whatever he wants to, and Jesus is still what he wants to do. He wants to save people through his son, Jesus Christ, so I can bless Israel. Number two, he wants me to recognize my brokenness, recognize my brokenness. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter five, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the ones who realize they're broken. And can I just speak to you for just a minute about your brokenness this morning? If I lost you with Israel, would you come back to me for just a second? Recognize your brokenness. Every human being is broken. Romans 3.23 says that we all, what? Fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of the glory of God. The best human you know isn't even close to the standard of God's holiness. We're all broken. We all need help. And God says, I'm sending the help. It's Jesus. Can I give you the gospel just really quickly? Here's what happens. We're all broken. We need help to be holy. I can't be holy as hard as I try. And God's justice says, because I'm not holy, the wages of my sin is death. I will be separated from God for all eternity. He has to do that because he's just. But can I tell you the most amazing gift? Here's what the judge says. The judge says, Brad, you are guilty. You're not holy like I've commanded you to be holy. And because of my justice, you have to pay for your sin. Someone has to die Are you wanting to die for your sin, Brad, or do you want somebody else to do it? Because I've provided my own son. My son will die for your sin. He'll pay the penalty for your sin. He'll die on the cross for you. You just simply have to believe. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Here's the sad tragedy of humanity. Most humans hear that message and they say, "Ah, you know what? I think I'm good. You're not good. You're not good. You fall short of the glory. You will end up separated from God in a terrible place called hell for all eternity unless you put your faith 
in Jesus Christ alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. Do you recognize your own brokenness? Number three, he wants me to acknowledge his provision with contentment. Thanksgiving's coming up. The basis for gratitude is the expectation of nothing. Can I just ask you, are you an entitled Christian? Are we at times an entitled church? Or are we content? Are we grateful? He wants me to acknowledge his provision with contentment. He wants me to fear him. It is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. So this gets kind of gets back to, okay, what is my responsibility to do if God is 100% sovereign? Some have said, well, if God is sovereign, you can't have any human decision making. You can't have a free will of man. God, God's either in charge or he isn't in charge. Can I just tell you that God is sovereign enough? Listen to this. God is sovereign enough to let you have a free will and still get his mission accomplished. It's amazing. Like he, he turns humans loose and says, do whatever you want to, and I'm going to use what you do to get done what I want to. He's that sovereign. Judas betrays Jesus, and the disciples think, oh no, the, the plan went off the rails, and God says, I'll use Judas' sin to get accomplished exactly what I want to. Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. And we say, oh no, the plan went off the rails. And God says, I'm going to use that sale into slavery to not only save Israel, but save the world from famine. God is accomplishing whatever he wants to. So I can fear and obey him with wisdom. I can do that. Or I can disobey and go my own way. God is still going to get his master plan done. The wise fearfully get on board. The wise say, not this, Lord, here are my plans. Would you bless them? The wise say this, Lord, what are your plans? I'm in. I want to go with you. I want to follow your master plan. He wants me to fear him. Lastly, he wants me to cherish his word. His word is the key, was the key to Israel's national success. When they succeeded, it was because they were listening to his word. But it's also the key to individual success. What if someone watched you for a day? Would they say you cherish the word of God? Would it make much difference if you lost access to the word of God? Would it make much difference? Can I just challenge you today? Since it is the key to success and God's word does whatever he wants it to, cherish the written and living word of God this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its power. Thank you for this psalm and reminding us that you do whatever you want to. Lord, we confess that we don't understand what you're doing. We, don't, we can't wrap our brains around it. We have opinions, but we don't understand your master plan. Would you help us today to trust it? Would you help us today to lean into you, to worship you as good even when we don't understand? Lord, the world around us seems to be going crazy. We ask that our church, that Christians, would hold on to you, our rock, and would hold to your truth, your word. Not just say that we do, but to actually do it and to live it this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Sing out a great old hymn, powerful, emphasizing God's power. How great thou art. Let's sing this out. O Lord my God, 
our church can communicate with you is the gospel message. The word gospel means good news. The trouble with most good news is that it isn't really good until you see it relative to bad news. The discovery of a new cure isn't all that helpful unless you or a loved one has the disease that it cures. In the same way, the good news of Jesus is good when it is understood in relation to the bad news of our own sin. We are all sinners. That's the disease we are all born with. And Jesus is the cure. The good news that everyone can live forever with God in heaven, not because of anything we can do, but because of what Jesus did in our place. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The truth that everyone, everywhere, at all times in history needs to hear is that salvation is only possible by putting our faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 
Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ today? Would you be willing to pray something like this and mean what you pray from your heart? Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know I can do nothing to earn forgiveness and make myself right with you. Instead of dying for my own sins, I want to trust Christ and his death on the cross as payment for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my way and make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. The Bible tells us that those that repent from their sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in this way shall be saved. Would you believe on him today? And if you did trust Christ today, if you did pray a prayer like the one suggested a moment ago and you really meant it, would you let us know? We want to help you grow in your understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have more questions about putting your faith in Christ and we have great resources to help you with that. The Exchange Bible Study is a four-week study on the character of God that will answer most of your questions about the gospel. We have men and women ready and waiting to go through that with you in person or virtually, depending on your situation. Maybe you put your faith in Christ today, or, or maybe you did years ago, but you feel like you've not grown in your faith. We want to help you with that as well. We have literally hundreds of helpful resources and dozens of believers ready to walk with you through them. Let us know how we can best encourage your journey of faith in Christ using one of the contact methods listed below. Jesus Christ loves you and wants to spend eternity with you. May God bless you as you seek to live your life for his honor and for his glory.